0: This episode of the e-commerce playbook podcast is brought to you by soral Build your influencer marketing program on autopilot with a simple workflow for everything from gifting to paid campaigns. Try it out for free at getsaral.com slash champions slash ctc or with the link in the show notes. Hey folks, welcome to the e-commerce playbook podcast. I'm your host, Richard Gaffin, director of digital product strategy here at Common Threat Collective, and I'm joined today as always, I'm joined by Taylor Holiday, CEO here at Common Thread. Taylor, how are you doing? Doing great. Great. Awesome. And we're also joined, very excitingly, by our COO, Orchid Bertelson, here at Common Thread Co. Orchid, how are you doing?
1: Hi, guys. I just wanted to see how you spend your days. So <laughs> it's really just checking exciting on our, to be here with
2: you. Just checking on our usage uh, and our, you know, make, our
0: utilization rates uh, as employees. Yeah, we I have about 48
1: CTC. minutes. We have 48 minutes, folks.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Good operation. Uh, That's COO stuff right there. Making sure we're using our time wisely, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's an expensive meeting.
0: I'm just, I'm just glad (laughs) that we were able to get, you know,
2: the co-host of a separate podcast to join us on our, (laughs) on our podcast here. You're so Uh, salty.
1: You're so salty about that. I I have to do things that, you know, are really exciting too. And I get, I get the opportunity to talk to you every day.
0: I know. I know. That's fair. You know? So, well, actually, do we want to, do we want to plug Orchid's podcast? I think we can do it <laughs> once. Let's get it out of the way. Let's okay. get it out of the way. All Let's right. I, it. th- it's like, you know, we've mentioned it. We have to let the cat out of the bag here.
1: Well, I am the co-host of season three of Infinite Shelf, which is a future commerce podcast uh, where my, me and my co-host Ingrid, who is of noon fame, um, really just talk about all things e-commerce. So join us. It, it's like talking to friends. We don't take ourselves too seriously um, and it's a good time.
0: Great. Well, so it sounds like you got the credentials then to uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, our topic today, which is... So we've discussed uh, a couple of weeks ago, I talked to Luke and Steve, who are sort of the, I suppose, behind our Q3, Q4 strategy for our clients. A little bit about the the four peaks of the fourth peak, which is the idea that there are four mini peaks that happen within the Black Friday, Cyber Monday uh, cycle. But I want to kind of want to kick this off talking about, we've talked about this before in the podcast a little bit, but I want to get Orchid's specific perspective on this, which is the idea of creating a marketing peak in general. So we've talked often about the idea that you need to find revenue valleys and turn them into revenue peaks by finding spots throughout the year where you can take advantage of uh, sales moments that already exist, jump on board them and create revenue moments for yourself. But Orchid, I want to get a little bit of your perspective on this idea of peak creation. So why don't we start there?
1: Yeah, sure. I think, you know, and just by nature of my experience and my background in creative agency world, and also on the brand side, I think it's very tempting to just pull up the calendar of national holidays and say, okay, (laughs) all right, let's map out Labor Day, let's map out Memorial Day, 4th of July. Now, why we offer promotions on national holidays, I don't know, but we've done it for a very long time. And I think when you're a beginning business, when you're trying to find those opportunities, then you know you just simply look at the calendar. And then if you get a little more granular, you say, okay, well, we sell chocolate chip cookies. So what about chocolate National Chocolate Chip Cookie Day? Now there's National Chocolate Chip Cookie Day and then there's National Cookie Day. So you have to be very specific mm. about that. Yeah. But I think that as you become more developed as a brand, You not only look at start at the calendar, but you actually look at your business performance. So you say, okay, well, if I look at, you know, my revenue trend line over the last year, we know that a lot of businesses make a lot of their revenue during Black Friday, Cyber Monday. That's just a reality of our world. And it has been for a very long time. We've also seen that, you know, usually around July, so pre-back to school, depending on your category, uh, tends to be a bit slow as well. But we see this in terms of our business with our clients, you know, going into a slow period of time. And I think Taylor's done a wonderful job in talking about the implications of that, the implications of being cash-strapped uh, right before the holidays, because you need to free up that money in order to, you know, bulk up your inventory, because, you know, you can't you can't sell product if you don't have it. Um, and so businesses get into this really challenging period of time. And so the question becomes, all right, well, if you can't find a holiday that aligns with where you want to turn a revenue valley into a revenue peak that makes sense for you to talk to your customers, then what? And I think a lot of people don't realize that you can just make it up. <laughs> it could be anything. And so Richard, the last time we had this conversation when we were at in and out <laughs> where That's I right? think I accidentally had Corey's burger that he ordered, which was excellent, <laughs> by the way. But, mm-hmm. you know, Amazon, like Prime Day, is such a great example. Um, Now, I'm very hesitant to use examples from well-known brands like Apple or Nike or Amazon in this case because they're so well-established. And, of course, they spend hundreds of millions of dollars on marketing. And so small brands, whenever you use those big brands as an example, they're like, okay, great, great, great. I don't have all that money. What can I learn from that? But I think we use those brand names as examples because everybody's familiar with them because they spend so much money on their marketing. And so when we look at Prime Days, it's like in the middle of July. I mean, this past year it was July 11th and 12th, and it just they just made it up. And they've been doing this for such a long time that even brands who weren't selling their product on Amazon – they had Prime Day deals. Now, you can't really say Prime Day. It's kind of like the Super Bowl now, and you have to say the big Mm -hmm. game, although I'm sure they'll trademark the big game at some point. (laughs) But I'm sure Amazon looked at their overall revenue trend line, and they're like, hey, July tends to be really slow. Like, what can we do here? And so they made a Prime Day. Taylor, anything you want to add?
2: Yeah. Well, I think so. there's a couple of things that are really good points. One is you have to first sort of look yourself in the mirror and say, do we move the cultural zeitgeist or do we need to ride the wave? And like Amazon can move the zeitgeist, right? Like they have the distribution power to create a cultural moment nationwide. So there's an opportunity for all of us to ride that wave, which is they are going to drive increased consumer intent for shopping. So we should all put Prime Day 1 and now the new announcement, Prime Day 2, coming in October onto our calendar. And I do think it is very four peaks theory for them to introduce those two date ranges where they know they have natural demand in lots of points of the calendar but july and october are really shitty months generally for ecom. and we are sort of entering right now what is the sort of the trough of sorrow here between from post labor day to black friday cyber monday tends to be when all the moment when you're going to read a bunch of articles about how the revenue is not going to come it's not going to come for whatever reason and that we're going to have this depressed moment uh, it all starts now because there is really softened consumer demand even today we're sitting on a DTCCI print so our direct to consumer confidence index that Steve publishes in partnership with no commerce had the lowest or the biggest drop week over week that we've seen since measuring it back in march it's almost a 13% decline week over week and we also saw labor day have a higher discount rate this year than any other year before it so there are there are some signs that brands are a little bit desperate for revenue right now And that consumer sentiment is going to soften. So the next 45 days are rough. They tend to be difficult. Mm -hmm. But Amazon's helping us out with the second Prime Day. So with that, if you don't have the capacity to create the cultural zeitgeist, which most small brands, you need to to acknowledge, just because you say it's an important day doesn't make it so for most of the world. And so I think the question is to like outside of the national holiday calendar that most people don't really have any idea exists. What are the underlying cultural trends that exist? Like one we were talking about for one of our brands is back to school is like a general trend line of an example where you can tap into it. But even more specific than that, Orkut, I know you're big on TikTok, so I'm sure that you've come across some of this, (laughs) is rush week in sororities. I
1: love it. It's Alabama rush
2: week. Yes. Okay. So that is a cultural zeitgeist that takes over social media that you'll see every sorority on earth doing their crazy dances to whatever the latest hit is. But the point is that there's outfits, there's styles, there's parties, there's all sorts mm-hmm. of things that if that's your demo, that's a zeitgeist moment that I would prepare and start to speak into. Now, that's not every brand, right? There's a subset of brands who that makes sense for. But the point is, what is it for you? I know that we have brands that like hunting season is a thing like it's mm-hmm. duck hunting season starts this week. And it's like, well, that becomes a really important thing where people invest money and they plan trips and they do X, Y, and Z and da da. da. So the question is like outside of the national calendar, what is the cultural zeitgeist that your customers participating in, and how do you jam yourself right into the middle of
1: it? Can we talk about Bama Rush Week? I'm sorry, yeah, we, we have to go back. We moved on too quickly. I think what's really fascinating about that phenomenon, and if you haven't come across TikTok, I kind of question what your algorithm is. Um, But the whole premise is that, you know, they highlight different sororities. And then every year there are some sorority breakout stars. These (laughs) women are rushing. And there are a couple of them that create a lot of the get ready with me videos. And they will actually take the time. Their entire video is where they break down their fit. And they'll say, you know, the the very, they'll say like, okay, well, my jewelry is, you know, Kendra Scott or whatever. My Cartier, I've got some Louis Vuitton sneakers, Golden Goose. I mean, they will name drop repeatedly. And it's fascinating because now there's a second wave of creators who have actually said, okay, let's break down this Get Ready With Me fit. And I'm actually going to price out how much that was. And so it is absolutely fascinating. I think to Taylor's point, it's like, yes, okay, there's, what you're doing is you're you're narrowing down the focus, right? You're starting from like national, broad base, like doesn't matter your category. And then you're getting down to like category-specific moments and seeing where you can tap into culture. Because when you're a part of, big brands and I was part of some of the largest brands, like you get a little, you have the hubris to think that you can actually create culture, but there are very, very few brands and you can count them on one hand and I've already named them that can actually move the needle and create culture. What you're trying to do is you're trying to tap into it in a way that feels very genuine and authentic to your brand. Because I think like millennials, like our bullshit meter is not that good, but Gen Z, I mean, they'll call it out for days, right? And so if you are simply doing something for a community and putting that in air quotes that is self-serving and really just to put more money in your pocket, like you're going to get called out for that. And so it really means you need to be very focused and have your finger on the pulse of culture. Now, how do you do that? I think Taylor and I are probably just on TikTok waiting just scroll You just scroll, tw- you for just scroll TikTok 12 hours a day
2: and you're there. You're like, you're, you've got it. Uh, but I, I think this is right. Now, what's hard about this, right, is that we're trying to talk about this in the context of marketing calendaring, right, and planning. And so how do you tie these things together so that you know when these moments are going to exist? That's, that's difficult. But I do think it is... It, important to become acutely aware of what happens repeatedly every year in the seasons that you generally don't have natural demand for your brand so Mm -hmm. like if you're a swimsuit brand you don't got to go solve for the cultural zeitgeist in july like the sun did that for you you know so you the question though is like what the heck are you going to do in october what are you going to do well you have to find every pocket of available opportunity where there's something to be said about what you're doing and this is where like so many, like the warehouse sale premise came from, from, you know, Macy's or these off-season things that get created, the semi-annual sale. All that was, was just an attempt to generate an off-season peak, right? Like that's what these things are. And so I think it's really important for all of us to, to really prep ahead of this, to think about this now. And we're really, even in this moment, outside the four peaks of the fourth peak, because those are sort of natural rhythms of shopping that we're seeing. And we're saying like, ooh, October or even late December as you, like, what do we do here? Cause it gets really bleak in the valley. Yeah.
0: So I was gonna say like, I think there's, there's two things. I wanna stay on the off season peak thing for a little bit. So two things are simultaneously true here. Like according to the, the strategy that we're presenting, Q3 is absolutely crucial to building up that new customer file for Black Friday, Cyber Monday, right? At the same time, Q3 is also the doldrums for most brands. Like This is a problem area for revenue. So what we're saying is like now is the time where you really have to start acquiring new customers. Also, it's going to be the most difficult time to acquire new customers in some ways. So maybe we can talk through a little bit. And I can start with you, Orchid. Let's get into some examples about, of how you would, maybe in your sort of wide experience, how would you turn this moment, or rather turn this valley into a peak for smaller brands that don't have the cultural heft, let's say, of an Apple or a Nike.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, one example that I shared with a colleague, we had a whole conversation about this months ago where uh, they were working for a brand and they just decided to create Dress Month. <laughs> they were yeah. just like, you know what? We sell dresses. We're just going to do Dress Month. And so what they did was they actually featured, you know, a different dress every day, right? And they're like, you know, you can tie your promotion to that, right? You It becomes time bound and people love something where not everybody gets access to it, right? And so when we're talking about, you know, creating these moments and going into these promotions, what you want to do is you want to both acquire new customers, but you also want to leverage your existing customers right? Because like at the end of the day, when we talk about consumer confidence, it's not just new customer confidence. If it was, we'd talk about it that way, but it is total macro customer confidence. So I think a lot of brands are also seeing that their previous, you know, whales of clients or people who, you know, had very high buy rates or you know very high repeat, they're not coming back as much. And I think part of it, there's a couple of different dynamics as to why that is. I think one is that competition is fiercer than ever before. Um, I'll give one personal example. So my kid, Mika just turned one last week and I got him a nugget, a nugget couch. They're fairly expensive. They're about I don't know, $270. Uh, they were on shark tank. They've been around like parents love it. And so I have always been, you know, I love the founder. So I was like, okay, like this is it. We're going to buy this. Now, did I have a moment where I went on Amazon and I was like, Oh, let me search nugget. Like, I wonder, wonder if they sell this on Amazon and they don't. But what I found was a lot of competition right? Things that like generally look the same. I mean, I think they probably look exactly the same. And I think that a lot of brands are seeing that as well, is that when you don't have a defensible design, when you don't have something truly unique about your product, then it's really easy to be copied. And the speed at which those things get copied and commoditized and like, you know, there's a million opportunities from other sellers on Amazon, like that's crushing them too. And so I would say, like, you know, absolutely look at your existing customers, you know, again, present the brand story, you know, talk about why your brand is unique. Like, every brand is a unique snowflake, right? So how do you win those customers back um, in addition to acquiring new customers?
0: Gotcha. And for for those of us who don't know, the Nugget Couch is... A oh, for
1: kids? <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. It's a futon okay. for kids. Maybe that's their new tagline. But yeah they, have, <laughs> yeah, they have a couple of couch cushions, and it's really fascinating because you know, I think they you know, broke out on the scene quite a few years ago, um, and then now there are different companies that have cropped up that create accessories for the Nugget, but it's actually not the same company. Gotcha. Yeah, Taylor, exactly. do you have a Nugget? I think your kids yeah. are aging out of the Nugget.
2: No, I don't.
0: Not that that I'm aware of, though, but there's there's a lot of stuff in my house. It could be. I could have one. We talk a lot about good and bad UGC, but if you want a streamlined way to do the good kind of UGC, which is product seeding, then look no further than Serol. If you're still using a spreadsheet to save creator profiles for influencer management, you will love this Chrome extension that comes with Soral. You can see engagement rates, like projections, and their fair price without even leaving the profile, and you can add them to your creator CRM with one click. And that's just step one. You can search for influencers, send personalized outreach emails, manage your relationships and track performance all in one place. Sound too good to be true? See for yourself with Soral's free trial. Just go to getsaral.com slash champions slash CTC or click the link in the show notes. All right. So let's hear from you then, Taylor, about how do you think about creating offseason peaks? Let's let's say, for instance, Bamboo Worth. I don't know yeah. exactly what you guys are doing. but Let's say, for the sake of argument that this is a down period for them as well. I mean, it probably is. what What's the approach there for a cosmetics brand, for instance? Well, yeah, they've well, got a um,
1: seasonal change in skin
2: yeah, condition. so that's an, that's another issue, right? Is that like the winter and summer pre- present fundamentally different skin concerns. And our product, which is a moisturizer, to my surprise, is actually better served for the cold and windy season than it is for the summer. Right? You're like, oh, that's, I get it. That's oh.
1: because you live in California.
2: Well, yeah, it's just 70 every day. I was like, I don't know what the difference is. <laughs> so, yes, the, the concern changes, but that's actually the season moving towards us. But let me, let me give you a very practical example. So Bamboo Earth runs one major sale a year, um, and you know what it is? It was August 30th, and we did, I think, our largest single revenue day ever, Uh, we do a gift with purchase of our best product um, for orders over a certain value. And do you know why we do it in August? Because you know what our biggest seasons are? November through January. And you know when we have to make the biggest cash purchase? Right? Coming up now. And so it's all coordinated, right? It's like, well, August is a down month. We struggle kind of through July. It's like a grind. We're trying to figure out uh, more opportunities. So we have to create an opportunity for all these new customers that we have acquired over a period of time. And we do squeeze the sponge a little. Now it's also a pretty good new customer acquisition driver. This is the thing about like those promotions. They tend to actually be good ways for the customers that have been on the fence to sort of cross over in a way that they see the value in. So it also does drive a meaningful amount of that. But we, we get a lot of cash. We put a lot of cash in our pocket ahead of what we know is gonna be uh, a build-up to our key moments of the year. So that, that that's one way, right? And I, I hate to just say, oh, run a sale. Like, okay, thanks Taylor, super helpful. In terms of an idea, but um, you said,
1: but Taylor, really quick, you said that that's your one sale a year, yeah. and I would I would argue yeah. that there's a lot of discipline involved, yeah. totally. and training your customers on knowing that they can only expect one sale a year.
2: That's right, and it's uh, to me this is less like this is really a holistic exercise that involves marketing calendaring for your entire year and really going like what is the design of every peak and every moment. I would just say that like, I think about the opportunity to do product releases, to build months around a charitable partnership, to do licensing. There's all sorts of things that you can look at September and October and figure out this narrative that you could create for your brand. Now it's really hard if we're sitting here on September 6th and that doesn't exist yet because that, that execution can be pretty challenging to accomplish. And now we're really talking more about like ad angles to come up with for your evergreen concepts in this moment than we are about a true marketing initiative that I think makes a fundamental difference. But, but I do think that there's these ways where I've seen brands do this in lots of different fashion. Like and One of the classic examples that is sort of a more reactive opportunity is, is what Born Primitive did back in the day uh, as it relates to their gym partnership, where they found a way in a moment to decide to partner with a bunch of local gyms where for a month, all of the revenue was shared with the local gym. And so it was like a gym give back moment. And so you take your community and you say, all right, for this period of time, and this could be every year, it's sort of like the fundraiser at school where you're gonna say like every year there's this donation mechanism that says like, for this 30 days, we're gonna go hard after creating value for our community. Well, that amplifies your brand presence, drives a bunch of people into spreading the word about you in a way that's more effective. And so I think coming up with that is is, is an opportunity to say, okay, October. And this is part of why like breast cancer awareness month became so big in that period, which is October is because it's off calendar. It's like a weird thing that like, oh, the NFL grabs it and everybody grabs it. And for an entire month, everybody's like, Susan G. Komen, we're all in, we're selling a bunch of pink stuff. And so it becomes a way that like, okay, what does the the calendar do for me? What can I grab onto to bring customers in that maybe normally wouldn't look at me, maybe don't normally participate with me, And so I think that can be uh, an interesting one is to say for this month, we're going to really drive community value somehow together. I know like we have another brand heart and soil that one of the things that they do in their off season is they have like a community health initiative that they track and keep up with members and they give out rewards and they say, okay, it's sort of like a 75 hard for your community. It's like all of us are going to do this this month that we're going to highlight members or we're going to show off who's succeeding. And we're just going to create a surrounding narrative that may not even be about like, Selling a specific thing, but it's about broadening the story into a new group of people through this focused community effort. I think sometimes that can be really a really interesting way to to drive a peak in an unexpected time.
1: yeah, I think community is really fascinating, and I think that's for a different time. But like one of the communities that I love that also help with new user acquisition or new customer acquisition uh, is Harley Davidson. Right, so when you were talking about born primitive and hardened soil, like it really reminded me that the local Harley uh, dealerships all have a very full events calendar where they bring in their members like every weekend during the summer because they know that by bringing in foot traffic during that time, people will upgrade and they'll be surrounded by other people who have bought a long time ago but are really ready to upgrade. And so I think community is like an entirely separate thing, but you can certainly they can merge. Right, it can be this Venn diagram that merges when you're cr- trying to create peaks um, in your in your revenue curve
0: so if i were to i'm doing a little pre-work here let's say for my peak builders guide or whatever the next product i put out so what how would you guys summarize or maybe you could summarize for us like what are the categories of peak that you can sort of think through creating so like for instance we have seasonal drop is a classic Mm -hmm. only sale of the calendar year or obviously there's like you know watching tiktok and jumping on whatever trend there is but like how like what other categories would you say there are if you could kind of summarize them.
1: Well, I think if I were to try to create a framework for it, I would say that you start really broad um, with things that, you know, again, like the national calendar, or national holiday calendar. And then, like, the next category that you dive into is like category specific. So, whether you're in like athletic wear, you know, just apparel, supplements, whatever is relevant for your category. And so, like, even to Taylor's point with skincare, you know, okay, like what are those moments where it's like maybe people are transitioning their skincare? Right. Like I go from a lightweight moisturizer to something that's quite heavy. Versa major, one of our brands, is is my top candidate there. It's really nice that they sell both. And so it's like, okay, then it's like what's category specific? And then I would go to, all right, brand specific, like that's where like kind of communities, things like that come in, Um, you know, seasonal drops, whatever. And then I would get really focused on just creating those moments. But yeah, I think you like in terms of like how you can think about those different type events, Mm -hmm. definitely seasonal drops. I think creating like a limited edition anything uh, is interesting because it's not only about selling out of that limited edition product, but it's about just getting people to the site right? Because even, and we've seen this in in certain like of our brands as well, where it's like, okay, someone comes in for the limited edition sneaker, let's say, but it sells out. Like they're not leaving (laughs) without something else as well. So it's really interesting that, you know, by allowing those people to come in for a specific reason, like you still make that sale, even if it's not for that individual product. Um, And then like, you know, to my point, like that last layer, I would say would be like cultural relevance because I don't think that's so much that you can plan, but it's about creating mm. like the operational mechanisms so that you can act very quickly and hop on that train by you know making your adjustments to your media, making your adjustments to your you know whatever email you're sending out, you know it changes the landing pages. That's more about agility rather than pre planning and creating creating a marketing calendar for them.
2: Oh, yeah, I like the I like the idea of like increasing these, the the surface area for luck that you're going to like hit a cultural relevance thing. So I'll give you a great example of one that like happened to me last night. So right now is the U S open for tennis. Okay. So it's the, this happens every year at the same time. And there's this new kid, his name's Ben Shelton. Okay. So Ben Shelton is 20 years old. He's the youngest American to make the U S open semifinals since 1992, like huge star serves faster than everybody else. And I've seen him was like he born.
1: He's, he was born in 92. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. So, (laughs) like, I've seen him showing up everywhere all of a sudden. He's the hot new thing. And I was watching his match last night, and he's head-to-toe on running, okay? I hate on running. I don't get it. I think it's the ugliest brand I've ever seen in my life. Like, I do not understand it at all. But it's exploded. And I was like, this kid is head to This is the hottest new athlete, and he is head-to-toe in a brand that I just – I cannot believe that they have. (laughs) But But let's imagine – you wanted to create peak opportunity for an off period of time if you're on running in September and October. Well, what matters in the sports calendar at that time? You have the start of the college football season, you start of NFL, you have the US Open of Tennis, you have the Ryder Cup coming up. And so by creating sponsorship in those categories, you create the opportunity. Now, Ben has to win. He had to create this moment. So there's no guarantee, but the surface area or opportunity for it. Now, we're talking about bigger brands here. This is not a play that a startup's going to make, but at the same time, really understanding like, what and one of the good habits to do, I think, for for marketers is like just go spend some time sign up for like the Google Trends email alert to see like search volume every week to understand like what is driving culture, what really actually creates moments, and like you'll be shocked how much of it is like Timothy Chalamet is the number one search term right now because <laughs> that's because he's dating, he's dating Kylie Jenner. Well, exactly, <laughs> exactly, right. So it's like, oh, okay, this is the, the most of what the internet talks about is a really important thing to understand because. I think one of the, like, I, I used to, like, when I talk to our creative strategists, to me, most people should start with, like, Imgur. Like, go to, you want to understand the internet? Go to Imgur and understand the <laughs> trending memes and gifts of the internet. Like, because most brands have no idea how to speak and tap into what is the massive wave of conversation around anything in the world. And we're out here just, like, yelling a bunch of nonsense that no one gives a shit about, right? Mm-hmm. But, but if you just start to, like, hone in on, In each given period of time, sort of mapping, what are people talking about? And this is like a fascinating time to bring up Breaking Tea. So we have a client called Breaking Tea that actually built a social listening tool that informs their product development. So they built this tool that quantifies the amount of conversation in the sports world relative to different topics. And then they design their product in accordance to that volume. And they actually like make the print order based on the amount of social conversation about a topic right? So Colorado wins and Deion Sanders explodes. They're going to make a bunch of prints about that because the amount of social conversation increases. And So that's like a very real time example of what we're talking about. But you can begin to train yourself in different periods of time to understand what drives the conversation that I think will help you think better about this idea. Yeah. And I think to that's your awesome.
1: point about breaking teas, like the example I have Because I'm trying to bring some diversity in here. So this is a Vanderpump Rules example. There we go. But but Lala, one of the stars, like when Scandable happened at the beginning of the summer, (laughs) you know, she was doing, it was in her Instagram stories uh, where she was talking about a cease and desist letter that she received. And she was talking about like, hey, you don't send that directly to me. I have legal counsel. You send it to my legal counsel. She's like, his name is Daryl. Send it to Daryl. And so she took that phrase and had hoodies on her site within 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So again, when we're talking about like the cultural zeitgeist and how you tap into culture, for me, it's about, and I think Taylor did a really great job in highlighting for breaking teas. Yes, it's a social listening. Like you have to know, understand the the speed of culture. And what you're trying to avoid is that Steve Buscemi meme of him like in the yeah, high school right. hallway, like carrying the skateboard, which is like how I feel every time I talk to some of our Gen Z employees. Mm-hmm. But what you're trying to do is both social listening, but again, it's the operational agility to be able to act very quickly on that. And I'll give one more example that's like a very dated, like marketer example. But you remember during the Super Bowl when I think Beyonce performed, this had to be back mm-hmm. in 2000. I was living in New York at the time. So this must have been around like two, between 2010 and 2013. And uh, there was a blackout, right? All the lights went out. Mm-hmm. And everybody was just like, you know, Oreo at the time had put out an ad on Meta Facebook at the time that said, you can still dunk in the dark. And they did it while the (laughs) lights were still out. And everybody was like, oh, my gosh, how did they do that? That's amazing. How did they get it through legal approval? All those things. But what people don't talk about is that Oreo actually had a campaign running that year where they had a new ad every day that was and so for them they had spent the year leading up to that moment building the operational prowess and getting their operations dialed so that they could launch something that quickly um so again that's i think that's i mean i'm biased but i think that that's the key to you know really leaning into culture and making it work for you and yeah. really gaining your unfair share there
0: i was going to say speaking of being with the Zeitgeist and feeling old, I did want to note for the record that Ben Shelton being 20 years old means he was born in 2003, not 19.
1: Oh, wow. My math. Uh, yeah. That is, oh, that's such a millennial thing be- where you're like. Because a
0: tough pill to swallow. 2003 oh. was, was last year. You know, it's. Uh, well, I graduated
1: <laughs> college in 2005. So there, there we are. There we are.
0: Madness. <laughs> Crazy. Um, all right. Well, so speaking of other sobering news. Q4 is right around the corner, folks. And so we've talked a little bit about the the kind of prep that you need to make in Q3, taking advantage or rather turning this value into a peak. So let's talk a little bit about then about what we're saying about Q4 in terms of peaks and the, the cadence there. So a quick reminder for our listeners. We talked about this again a couple of weeks ago, but our premise is that there's four mini peaks within the fourth peak, the fourth peak being the Black Friday, Cyber Monday cycle. Peak number one is early access, November 1st through 15th. Uh, Peak number two is Black Friday itself, November 22nd through 26th. Then Cyber Monday is the third peak. And then finally, the holiday gifting period, which is post Black Friday, Cyber Monday through about maybe December 17th. So let's talk, uh, Orchid, maybe a little bit about the conversations that you've been having around how to approach this period.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um and obviously we know that we start talking about Q4 what back in back in June. Uh, but when we talk about the four mini peaks of the fourth peak, this is something that we've been bringing into all of our client engagements, planning for the fourth quarter. And so to your point, you know, when we look at it's not just about Black Friday. So I I'll actually list the mini peaks in order of like how big they are. So number one is, of course, Black Friday. I would say number two is going to be Cyber Monday. Number three is holiday gifting. And then number one, which we also, so early access, but we also call early bird, is probably the smallest one. And so when we talk about those things specifically, well, like how do we plan for it? How do we think about it? So there are different strategies for each one. So there's the offer strategy, there's the retention strategy, the media strategy, and the creative strategy. And, you know, as you guys know better than anybody else, when we talk about marketing and especially across these different disciplines, it's about orchestration and it's about breaking down silos when you're communicating and planning for these things. None of these things can exist in a silo because when they do, that means you're missing opportunities. Right. Now, when we think about early early bird access, right, You know, I I have some questions for Taylor as well. Like speaking specifically about this, you know, yes, you're giving, um, you're probably reaching out to customers that you've already acquired, right, through your email list or, you know, someone who's like shown, demonstrated some interest in your product, even though they've been on the fence. Now, how do you think about the size of the offer relative to what you're planning for Black Friday? Because you want to make it appealing. You want them to buy. But I feel like there's also this like psychological behavior where we're like, I don't know, like Black Friday, like that deal must get better, right? I think
2: the best way to do this is for the deal to get different. I think novelty is the key here is that I think that there are lots of ways to say very similar things that feel different and special that give me a reason to keep checking back. Now, it's more work and there's sort of a relationship here between the amount of effort and the value creation that I think is definitely worth considering. With your existing customers though, your key special people, I would be cautious to make the, the value proposition of what you're giving them a deeper discount. I don't think you need to do that. You want to find a way to give them more stuff rather than deeper discounts. So thinking about gift with purchase, thinking about exclusive bundles, thinking about ways in which they get access to maybe certain products at a discount that others don't. But I don't think it's like give your existing customers 40% off and everybody else 25. I would be leery of doing things like that. And then I think there's an opportunity to like just frame it from going from discount to GWP to buy get to tiered discounts and playing with the novelty of the offer. The reality is each sort of taps into a different type of person for whatever reason in different ways uh, and so i think you're sort of covering a larger i'm going to use this phrase twice here surface area of your customer base with different offer types um, but i do think it there is a novelty importance because otherwise you're just spamming the same message for 17 straight days and it'll fatigue pretty quickly
0: mm-hmm. and i yeah, think, I think that's also totally like the, i was going to say like the uh, the advantage of that novelty as well is that people can't like compare it directly as either so i think like one thing that we talked a little bit about with luke Is this idea that if you give somebody a deep discount, an early access, and then give them a slightly deeper discount on Black Friday or the same discount or whatever, people can directly one to one compare or just sort of like create an expectation that it's going to get better. So they might as well not buy right now. So if Mm -hmm. each offer is something, provides something fundamentally different, then there's a reason to shop on all four peaks, you know, possibly. What were you gonna say, Orkin?
1: I was gonna say, you know, I think gift with purchase is something that I don't see enough of. I think that's a huge opportunity. So uh, that happened with me, I want to say earlier this year. Um, it's a makeup brand that has come on the scene the past couple of years called Merit, uh, Merit Beauty. Um, and I remember growing up in the Clinique days, right, where it's like my mom would take me to the Clinique counter. They would give me blue eyeshadow. I'd be very upset about this. And I would always tease my mom because, you know, she would leave the makeup counter with, you know, a couple of bottles, but then also with like, you know, this like goodie bag filled with little samples. Um, and it's interesting that that really, I mean, you still see that, I think, with large department stores, but you don't see that as much um, with smaller brands and especially in their D2C sites. So with Merit, what they did was they offered um, a cute little canvas tote bag with purchase and it was really well made. It was like a very minimalist design. And I actually found myself buying for the first time um, their product because I was like, just really wanted this bag for, for some reason. And there were so many you know unused canvas, branded canvas bags that I already have. And so I think this idea of you know, gift with purchase or, um, you know, first access, right? Because like if you've shopped enough sales, you know that by the time you get around to, you know, getting the best offer, like they're probably out of the colors and sizes that you like. And so I think this idea of like teeing it up that it's not actually, when we talk about, you know, customer incentives, I think your mind always goes to promotions and like the steeper the discount, the better. But the problem with that is that there's only so much of it you can do. I mean, you're just giving money away. Um, and then part of it is that you end up creating this consumer behavior that you really don't want, right? So I love this idea of like incentive and offer planning that is like far beyond promotions.
0: Yeah, I think like the, the advantage of the early access offer too is, to your point earlier, Orchid, availability. Um, that's one thing that we talked a little bit a couple of weeks ago as well. This idea that your favorite like colors and styles and whatever are still going to be in stock. So pair that messaging with some kind of discount or gift with purchase or whatever, and that's going to be more effective than just sort of apropos of nothing giving a huge discount early on. So let's continue moving through the, the sort of the peaks here. So we talked a little bit about early access. Let's talk about approaching Black Friday and Cyber Monday. What's what is the strategy there? How are we thinking about it?
1: I mean, I mean, that's a Black big question. Friday. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I know. Uh,
0: well, so
2: yeah, I, I think the, the premise of the four peaks of the four peaks, right, is that there's a season. There's a set of behaviors in all of this, the, the lead-up periods where we call it early bird and then Black Friday, Cyber Monday holiday gifting. So the four of these, right? So on Black Friday itself, what you're now doing is you're now trying to take advantage of the largest volume of consumer demand that exists. And so this is the moment to ensure that we are, squeezing every bit out of every drop of everything we've led up to this moment. So you are going to ramp your remarketing volume. You're going to increase your retention volume. You're going to make sure the volume, the number of email sends are all set to be multiple times throughout the day. You're resending unopens to the list. You're just using every bit of that existing demand to make sure that you're, it's fully satiated, that you don't leave any meat on the bone um, in that period of time. And so I think that that is alternatively to this build-up period where you're really trying to fill the funnel. You're trying to really drive as much new, net new traffic as you can. You're trying to find new customer acquisition. You're trying to increase your capture rate on your email pop-ups. Like this is the moment to eliminate the email pop-ups and capture all of the demand. We're not trying to, to do any future demand capture here. We are trying to realize all the, all of the value in that moment. Uh, and you really don't want to leave any bit, any dollar unspent, any email unsent in that moment, if you can.
0: Okay. So then, yeah, <laughs> the approach is pretty straightforward there. Black Friday, Cyber Monday are the biggest days, make them the biggest days. So then for the hol- holiday gifting period, that sort of runoff. But I do
2: think like, like sorry, last thing, because you said that like it's frivolous. Every, every year, somebody is going to try yeah. and tell you that Black Friday has moved earlier, that it's the week before now. Or, and, and while there is movement in those, dark, those days, Black Friday and Cyber Monday, those two days still massively, massively outperform volume of every other day. And so do not get caught. Don't start worrying. Oh, I like, what about their, their, this brand's doing a sale at the beginning of the month, or they're doing it two weeks before there are ways, but like, look at the calendar. When we talk about the four peaks of the fourth peak, it's like, there's like little Hills, but the Friday and Monday are still so disproportionately where the volume exists. So it's really important to, cause you you're going to read something. You're going to hear something about that being different or moving earlier or blah, blah, blah. Every year I hear this, Mm -hmm. but no, no, no. Those two days are so deeply culturally ingrained that it's just different.
1: Yeah. I'm so curious as to like uh, the D to CCI, like what it's going to look like for black Friday cyber Monday this year, because even with a lot of Steve's reporting this past year, you know, I had questions around promotions. Like, yeah, we're seeing revenue pop up and confidence higher, but the, you know, to your point earlier, Taylor, like we're also seeing higher discount rates. And so I'm really curious, like, if there are some things, some cultural moments like Black Friday, Cyber Monday that's so ingrained in the American psyche that it actually, like, trumps all of it.
2: Well, it's Um, funny. You you brought up earlier this idea of, like, for some reason, you know, buying's attached to holidays. Like there is a deeply ingrained capitalistic <laughs> behavior that says when we celebrate, part of the way that we celebrate is to spend money. Like it's like really- it's like,
1: why are we buying on Memorial Day? <laughs> like,
2: right. What, what does Labor Day, have, <laughs> like you labored and so you're going to give away all your money? It, but it is, it's just celebration involves consumption. It's like that's mm-hmm. part of it in, in a very, mm-hmm. very
0: real way. Yeah and and I, mean, I think it's like and this particular holiday is all about gift giving too. I mean that's sort of the fundamental mm-hmm. cultural movement around Black mm-hmm. Friday. So I mean that is is a good point to to make a distinction between yes there are certain brands who are maybe trying to expand their Black Friday earlier or whatever. But the reality is that all of the people in the United States let's say nobody's thinking about marketing calendars. All they know is that the day after Thanksgiving they go and camp outside of Best Buy so they can get a TV, you know what I mean? Well, and you like, try that's... not
1: to get trampled is actually.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. They go fight it out for, here's, here's a dated <laughs> reference. You go fight it out for Tickle Me Elmo. There you go. There's Cabbage, there's Patch, dolls.
1: Dolls Cabbage oh, Patch Dolls. Cabbage Patch Dolls. No, but okay, so this is, this is one thing. So Black Friday, so I, if I remember correctly, Cyber Monday was created for digital and technology products when it was created, Right. Because it came up within yeah. our lifetime, of course. But I think I think that was the delineation. And now it doesn't matter, obviously. But
2: So according to the internet, uh, which is the source of all truth, the, <laughs> the NRF coined the name Cyber Monday in 2005, introducing it in a press release that described a new trend the group began noticing a few years prior. Without fail, online revenue traffic spiked the Monday following. So what is the NRF? What the hell is that?
1: National Retailer <laughs> Federation? Oh, retail federation correct. wow is that
2: right there you go uh, so they coined i was vote, corn.
1: voted most likely to win jeopardy in high school i will have you know
2: In two, so oh, 2005 okay. yeah there you go
1: yeah that's so cool. when i graduated college so for some reason i had also paired the narrative that si- so black friday was obviously traditional has been here since the dawn of time right um the pilgrims probably actually first celebrated it in order to get rid of excess corn or something and then you mm-hmm. had like you know Cyber Monday I thought was for like digital and technology products, and so it's really interesting that you know it was this like um, juxtaposition between the different categories, and then over time it's just like okay there's Black Friday, but like why does Cyber Monday exist,
0: mm-hmm. right? Like well, it,
1: it's, it's very odd. Yeah. It's
0: it's interesting because like I think it's easy to think about Cyber Monday as being sort of manufactured, but again looking at the Wikipedia article and you know fingers <laughs> crossed that it's right, but the idea here is that like they they were simply noticing a trend, and the trend mm. was that you know back in 2005 a lot of people were still doing brick and mortar or most people were doing brick and mortar black friday shopping so you'd shop on black friday camp out all weekend do your Mm -hmm. shopping come monday you had to go back to work but you're Mm -hmm. still in a shopping mindset so people started buying Mm -hmm. stuff online on monday specifically because Mm -hmm. they had to be at work and so all of a sudden it creates this moment where there's this clear movement towards digital products on mondays and then that just becomes yeah Yeah.
1: And I think it's really interesting too, right? When you think about like the consumer mindset, like you're back to work on Monday. And so, okay, you don't have all of the mind space, right? To spend on shopping for the best deals. And so when you're planning to say, okay, I'm going to spend my lunch hour or like I'm going to take an afternoon break and shop Mm -hmm. the best deals. I would say that whatever you're trying to connote to the customer has to be really clear. Right, And you also have the opportunity to kind of tee it up a little early too. Obviously, it presses into Black Friday, but it's like to help your customers, maybe even the night before, like understand what they're going to get get the next day so that they can start planning for it. Um, and then like, I have a question too around, you know, Black Friday, a lot of the shopping behavior there is that you're trying to get an early start on shopping for Christmas presents or shopping for, you know, end of year holiday presents. How do you delineate that between or between that and holiday gifting one, and then two, I, I love an opportunity in Black Friday if it's like almost a, you know, you buy something now and you get a discount at a future date to get someone else something, or you buy a gift for someone and then you get something. Like people love that. <laughs> I love that.
2: Yeah, give, get. And that's where the gift of the GWP, like, and some of these things can be technically some challenging to build, like bundled mechanism, bundle builders, mm-hmm. right? But that kind of stuff, it is really, really well done if you can gift frame it in that way with a clear consideration for them and you or there's lots there's just so many different ways to do it that the more uh novel you make it the more exciting or interesting mm-hmm. i think there's really ways to stand out too and the the risk reward there I, I think for brands is to i and i think saturday and sunday are interesting days to play with this where i would not mess around with friday and monday friday and monday i would keep it clean this is your 20 off site wide this is but saturday try the like we built a gift bundler, and here's the thing: and your risk is less, right? Like there's less less variable risk, and you can always sort of lean back to those days. But it gives you good feedback into how your customers respond to different types of op, types of offers. Try the mystery bundle. Try the you know the the box with excess inventory in it that you want to liquidate that you're just trying to dump on people, you know whatever it is. But I think playing that's with a it very
1: bad marketing headline, by the way. Too. Yeah, yeah.
2: I would I, I wouldn't lead with that <laughs> mystery box full of our excess stuff. But I do think that like bundling a best selling SKU with something you need to get rid of in a way is is important too. So I think the more that you can do that, it can be a helpful way to, to right size the balance sheet.
1: Of, in terms of testing things too, I love gap cash. Like as a marketer, I love the idea of gap cash. Because you're buying something and they're like, hey, you get five dollars off, but like you have to use this like two weeks from now. <laughs> you don't get right. to you don't get to use that right now. You don't get to use that five minutes from now. Like you gotta come back.
2: I think it's and really so surreal, I, really smart to, to especially matching that. Like we get give for them, get for yourself. Mm-hmm. Like there's a great way to yep. use that. I like that a lot.
1: Yep. Exactly. And you know what? If that customer doesn't come back, you don't you're not out any money, but like, they will come back. And when they come back, like, I'm sure if you give them, like, a $5 discount or something, I'm sure, like, you can create the testing mechanism or look at the data and say, actually, for every $5 offer, you know, someone spend, has an AOV of, like, $40. And so it's, like, That's more right. than, like, worth your while in order to do that.
2: And I'm pretty sure, too, if you do it as, like, a you have $20 off your next purchase and it's good for two weeks, like, mm-hmm. alternative to giving them a gift card, you don't have to carry that as a balance on nope. like, a, a liability right? So that's another important thing. Whereas if you're like, get a $100 gift card with a purchase of $100, you have $100 of outstanding liability that yeah. you have to carry around. It's not good. But if you say like, here's a coupon for $20 off mm-hmm. your next purchase, functionally the same thing, it expires on this date. Um, okay. And we can constantly remind you about it. So now there's a prompt for continual email
0: conversation. Mm-hmm.
2: And it's not, a, it's not a liability. So I think that's a, that's a good way to handle it. Cool.
0: All right, so we're uh, we're running up on time here. So let's uh, let's let's leave the folks with one final observation. What? How would you summarize Orchid? What's the most important thing to think about as we go through this period approaching Black Friday?
1: Yeah, again, that's a really big question. <laughs> um, the thing that always comes to mind that it's like kind of like my mantra is like win your unfair share. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so so I think I think I think generally when it comes to marketing calendars, creating marketing peaks. That are relevant and make sense for your brand means that in, let's say it pops off, like, you know, you can get your, your media is just going to be more efficient, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because it's very expensive during Black Friday, Cyber Monday, but my one takeaway, especially through our conversation about Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and how to think about the four mini peaks is just novelty, I love that idea. Mm-hmm. Is that it's not just a straight promotion. It doesn't have to be progressively deeper discount. Like people just like newness, right? And now that TikTok has diagnosed us all with ADHD, <laughs> like, you know, you love a little novelty.
2: Makes sense. Tail? Yeah, I love that get get more than your share. There's gonna be so many things that are going to tempt you to think that you should hold back on this moment somehow. You're gonna hear stuff about the customers that you acquire in this time are less valuable or the discount. And like, you know, every year, Drew Sanaki, who I love, who's the CEO of Postpilot, does this thread about how they lost a bunch of money on Black Friday, Cyber Monday by offering too big of a discount, not doing the math on whether or not the CAC was right. And so prerequisite is do the math on your offer and how much money you're making, but sail with the wind. This is a cultural moment that will disappear very quickly And it is like every graph we have says it is the best time of the entire year to acquire new customers along with acquiring existing or getting revenue and value from your existing customers. So any trope about, oh, these are bad customers or it's only a time to realize value from your existing customers, ignore it. Take as much of your share as you can get. Be compelling, be creative, sail
0: with the wind. All right, folks. Okay. Embrace novelty. Go all out. And remember, get on TikTok and also 20-year-olds were born in 2003. That's, those are my <laughs> takeaways for this session. All right, folks. Thanks for joining us. We will see you all next week. Bye-bye. Hey, folks. I wanted to tell you about a special offer we're running right now. If you're a $10 to $100 million e-commerce brand with a growth quotient of $130 or greater, we'll cover $25,000 of your ad spend when you become a CTC client. You'll get a much-needed efficiency boost in the crucial weeks approaching Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and we'll get a client we're confident we can win for well beyond the holidays. So just go to commonthreadco.com, click the Hire Us button to get started, or follow the link in the show notes.